So let's start, please, by standing and reading the word of the Lord. If you're here for the first time, it's a tradition that you do when we're here, when I'm here at least. Uh, when I'm not, they do whatever they want to do. But uh, when I'm here, we stand to read the word of the Lord. Just, just, just on the shoulder up here. Just tap your neighbor and say, let's read together. I didn't say hit them. I said tap them. <laughs> Let's go. Come on. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13 is where we are. Oh, by the way, um, so when you're reading this, um, in the Old Testament, you remember, God wanted to have a relationship with us, and he gave them like 600 commandments that they needed to follow. They couldn't do it, so then Jesus had to show up in the New Testament, and Jesus says, hey, let me summarize all of them for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. All right? So Jesus summarized it. So here's what Jesus is now saying. Jesus said, if you want to know what people who call themselves Christian look like, then I want you to watch their behavior, and their behavior is going to explain what love is. But we didn't get it, so Paul had to further put some love handles on it so that you know what it means to love one another. So Jesus is going to say, I want you to love others as I have loved you. But we don't know what the word love means, so Paul then defines it for us so there's no wiggle room for church people as to how you should love somebody else. That's what we're about to read. So let me tell you what should be normal for you as a believer. Come on, here we go. The text says, uh, read it with me, buddy. Love is... No, 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 no. Why are you running by it like you're patient? You weren't patient. The text says, love is what? Then it says, love is kind something wrong with my TV, so here we go. Love is patient. Love is kind. Then it says, love is not jealous. Lord have mercy. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Did you hear that? Love does not brag and love is not arrogant. Then the text says, love does not pick up a cheer to hit people. Then the text says, Love, oh, my bad. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. My bad. My bad. Uh huh. <laughs> Five people just got mad. Five people just got mad. It's don't blame me, blame the Bible. I'm reading what the Bible says. The text says, verse 5 Love does not act unbecoming. Huh. It does not act unbecoming. Go to verse 5 for me. Love does not act unbecoming. Next verse. Here we go. Love is not dis, does dishonor others. Huh. Huh. All of us are out on this one. It is not self-seeking. Huh. It is not easily. Anybody got angry this week? More of you put up your hands. More of you put up your hands. Oh my God. Yeah. He says, if you know Jesus and you have his brand of love, then it's not easily angered. He said, oh, all of us are out on this one. He says, it keeps no. Do you know, the Bible is so good. All you got to do is read it and it's a sermon by itself. It convicts my time. It said it keeps no records of wrong. Let me talk to my sisters for a moment. Okay, I just talked to you. Let, let's keep. <laughs> oh, 
Come on, come on. I don't have no time. Come on, next verse, next verse, next verse, next verse. Love does not delight in. Huh. No, no, no. Don't run past verses. Love does not delight or make a pendant of a chair. It doesn't delight in that. It's not excited about that. Welcome back, Pastor. <laughs> Instead, it rejoices with the last verse. Here we go. You can only take one more. Here we go. Here we go. It always, 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 always. Jesus says, what I want you to do is I want you to love people as I have loved you. The way I treat you, I want you to treat others. Since I don't laugh when you fail, then you shouldn't laugh when somebody else fails. <laughs> see, since I don't delight when I see somebody pick up a chair and pounce it on the head of another person, then you shouldn't either. We're supposed to live out the brand of love that Christ died to create for us to now live out. That is if you know the name Jesus. Mm -hmm. We need prayer, don't we? I would agree. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, um, I lost five already. Bring them back, Father. Bring them back. Um, help us to live out the truth of this word, especially in the context of parenting. Help us to parent our kids like you parent us. Help us to be patient. Help us to be kind. Help us to not have a list of wrongs that we can arm ourselves to use against them the next time. Thank you for not doing that to us. Now teach us how to parent based on how you treat us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said... Just give you, I just sitting down, give your neighbor a high five and say, Hey man, get ready. Here we go. My God, my God, my God. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Thank you for those of you who are in the atrium. Thanks for hanging out with us on today. Put your seatbelts on. By the way, if you're here today and you think, I'm not, I'm not a parent, so I don't have nothing to learn today, you could not be more wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, what we're talking about this week and next week is about this thing called parenting and intentional parenting in a culture that wants to destroy your kids. How to pull it off for the glory of God. That's what we're talking about. Um, and I thought I would do, I thought I'd tell you some stuff that my mama used to say, but she's Jamaican, so she would say, you, most of y'all wouldn't say this. And so here's some stuff that back in the day my mama used to say. My mama used to say something like this. I brought you into this world and I can. Hold up. Is, is your mama too? Hold on. It's all our mamas used to say that stuff, huh? Uh, but you, you, this is not a popular one. My mama used to say, you keep playing and see what happens. My mama, my mama used to say something like, I don't care what Micah's mama did. I'm not Micah's mom. Mm-hmm. Here we go. My mama said this. It might be a Jamaican thing. Stop all that crying.
No, for sure this is a Jamaican thing. This is a Jamaican thing. A hard head. <laughs> what is behind the bean? <laughs> here's another one. Here's another one. Here's another one. When, 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 ooh, she used to say this one a lot, y'all. I think your mama said it too. When we get in this store, you better not touch nothing. I wish you would. I wish you would. You might not have a hand at the end of that, okay? Uh, my mama used to say, I'm not one of your... And it don't matter how old you are. Your friend's still little. I ain't one of your little friends. Ooh, she used to say this one. And I used to want to be in it too. She used to say, stay out of grown... We all had the same parents. We did. All of us did. Did they, did they, did they, did they have FaceTime? Did they talk to each other? Um, uh, ooh, my mama used to say this one too. Last one, last one. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Last one. Uh, you better fix your face. You ever wonder sometime that you made a promise to your, you made a promise to yourself. I ain't going to do what my parents did. And then all of a sudden, you're in the middle of something. And you did exactly what your parents did. Is it just me or wave your hand at me? Wave your hand at me if that's you. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk a little bit about um, countercultural parenting. Um, now, many of you, uh, your parents did the best they could. They really did. They didn't have all the sophistication and all the stuff that we have access to today. So they did the best they could. But I want to give you today five axioms, just five, that, that I believe that if we follow these axioms, an axiom is like a proverb. It's like a truism. If you follow it, it will lead you in a very, very healthy direction. And so that's what I want to talk about today real briefly. And so let's jump in and let's jump into it real quick. Number one, the first one you want to know, here it is. If it was your parents' behavior, not their advice, that helped you determine, listen, if you wanted to be like them or not. It is your parents' behavior, not their advice, that determined whether you respected them or whether you wanted to hang out with them when you left that house. Let me say it one more time. It is your parents' conduct, how they carried themselves, that determines whether, you, whether you're thinking about going to their house today or whether or not you never want to go. You ever go to, there's some parents, when you go to their house, all they start talking about is, oh, hold on, you're gaining weight. Are you so big? Are you so big? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Why you ain't married yet? What's wrong with you? What's your weight now? And that's why you don't ever want to go back because every time you go, they criticizing something about you. Be careful, because what your parents did to you, you might be doing to your kid. Be careful, ask the question, hey man, what, what, what's really going on here? Because how they behave determines 
whether you want to spend time with them. No, listen, here's what we're really giving up. What we're giving up is the points in which your kids have the most significant decision to make in their lives that will determine the trajectory of their lives. They don't want you around because of your behavior. They don't trust you. You didn't develop a relationship with them. You commanded them. You didn't inspire them. I wonder if there's anybody here today that your behavior is hindering the relationship. You see, many of us say, hey, 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 do what I say, but not what I do. Today, many of us are lying, don't even realize we're lying. When we say, oh, yeah, tell them I'm not here. <laughs> and you're saying, don't do that. It's just the situation. And you think they're not learning something. Let's look what the Proverbs say. Proverbs chapter, um, no, First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, run about verse 5. Watch what the text says. The text says, love, if you're going to love your kids like Jesus loves you, here's what it says. Love is not self-seeking. It's not looking out for its own interests. The text says, it is not easily, that means it doesn't get angry easily. In other words, what does it mean to be angry? The text says to be, that word angered means to stir. It's the imagery of a, a, a jar of peanut butter where peanuts are on the bottom, peanut butter is in the middle, and then a little bit of oil is on the top. And if you really want to know how to get it, you have to stir it all up so that the stuff on the bottom can come up to the top. Okay. Um, uh, this last week, my son got into my car. Now, in my car, behind my seat, there's this kind of hanger thingy where you put it over so that when I go in my car, I just take this off and I put it over it and it just falls good so it doesn't get wrinkled and stuff, right? So, so my son gets in the car on the other side, other side, other side, other side, not where the hanger thingy is, whatever that thing's called, not the, on this side. And so he comes in and he, says, and he says, hey, dad, I'm ready. And so I start driving off. Within one minute, all I hear was, crick, the thing broke. And my immediate response was, why can't you just sit still? And then I paused. Don't you know whenever you're going to preach a sermon, God's going to give you a test to show you you ain't that good. And you need to apply your own sermon before you go tell anybody else anything. Watch what happened. Watch what happened. The text says, love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. What my son did to me was he allowed me to identify that there is something inside of me that got ticked off when he decided to play, to play pull-ups on my hanger thing. <laughs> this don't happen to you. It only happened in my house. So I, I, I started down that path, raised my voice, got real frustrated, and then I paused. And then I paused and reflected on something. I asked myself, which you should do too, why am I angry? Why am I upset? Why do I want to lay into him? Can I tell you why? I want to lay into him because I like when the things I buy stay the way they're supposed to be. I don't know about you. I'm just telling you what I like. I like that the thing about stay that way. And he's messing up the stuff that I like. So now I'm pissed off. Can you say that in church? Pissed off man. That he broke something that cost $75. Now listen to me. 
I'm about to lose my mind and my relationship with him and teach him what to do when you're mad. By screaming and yelling at him because he broke something that I want to stay perfect. Lord, have mercy. Okay, you're not feeling me. I'm going to help you today. I'm, I, I, I really am back, so I'm going to help you today. I'm going to help you today. In every conflict, every conflict, everyone that you will ever have in your life, there is a piece of that pie that's driven by your self-centeredness. There's something somebody is messing up that you don't like, and they were the ones who stirred it up. But it's your self-centered. Was he wrong to do that? Yes. Should he have had his seatbelt on? Yes. Should he have not made it a, a pull-up bar? Yes. It don't matter. But I got a piece of the pie too. And I got to call my piece out. Do you know why you don't apologize? Because your parents never apologized to you. Do you know why you don't own your crap? Can you say that in church? Do you know why you don't own it? Because your parents didn't own it. They always made it about you. Listen to me. So here we go. Here we go. Watch it now. Watch it now. There's a piece of the pie in every situation that you need to own. In this piece, in this conflict situation with my son, I had to own that I was self-centered in not wanting him to mess up my car. And I didn't want him to break my little hanger thingamabob. And so because he broke it, he got the wrath of his dad on him for about four seconds till the Holy Ghost came over me. Now, listen to me. After that, I said, hey, son, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for making this thing that my clothes hang on so important that I yelled at you. I'm asking you to forgive me, please. What did I just teach this young man? That even when he is wrong, he can find something that he, is, that he did wrong too and own up to it. You see, the problem is too many of us, we ain't never done nothing wrong. So in every conflict, oh no, it's all their fault. Oh no, it's all their fault. Oh no, it's all their fault. And you blame everybody else instead of finding your own drama and your own self-centeredness to blame. Whenever you're in a conflict and you get angry, somebody is stirring up what is already in you. And what is in you is actually coming out of you. Can I get a witness? Somebody in Jesus' name. Listen, family. In your relationships, at work, in your relationships, everywhere, you need to know in every conflict, you have a part to play too. No matter how small, the text says love is patient and love is kind. You ain't doing none of those. You ain't patient and you ain't kind because you're highlighting theirs and you're ignoring your own drama. You need to love your kids just as God loves you. He, is, he, he, he asks you to pursue not being self-seeking and not being easily angered. Every time your kid gets mad, every time you get mad at your kids, it's because there's something in your ideal world that they messed up. And you need to own it. That it ain't that ideal and that it's okay if they mess it up. Now, he's still, got, he's still got his issues, which is, why your seatbelt not on, bro? Can we please put your seatbelt on? But I don't have to yell at him because I was mad because he disrupted something inside of me. Jesus, help us, Lord. Why? Why is that important? That's important because your behavior 
determines a couple things. It determines influence. Your behavior determines respect, and respect determines influence. You want influence when your kids have the most important decisions to make? Then make sure your behavior is consistent that leads to them respecting you. Too many times you think you can just go off, cuss them out, and think they're not going to cuss too. You think, when you, you think they're not going to yell at when somebody doesn't do what they want to do? They're just going to follow what we do. So if you're trying to gain influence, the way you gain it is by owning your stuff and modeling for them. When you're frustrated and mad, here is how you relate. Not just going off at the mouth. Why is that important? Because you know this, there's a clash. Isn't there always a clash? There's a clash of wills. They want to do what they want to do. You want to do what you want to do. And there's this clash that happens all the time. From the moment they were born, they're like, me first, me first, me first. I ain't never met a kid that come out of the womb talking about you first, you first, you first. It's always me first. So there's this clash. What is the clash about? Four things. It's about fear that drives you. It's about, secondly, uh, insecurity. Well, maybe I'm not as good a parent and I don't want everybody to know I'm not parenting well because their kids are better than my kids. And so let me go. Or anger. Because your kid's not performing the way they, you want them to perform academically or athletically. And so because they're not there, they're making you look bad and you don't want to look bad. So you're going to show them. Is this about the kid or is it about you? Or maybe it is that you want to live your life through your kids. And so you want them to do because you used to play a little sport in college. You want them to be what you could not be. And if you're international, especially if you're from Africa, then you want your kids to become the spelling bee champion and the, and the mathematician champion and the engineer. And you, every time they wake up, have you done your math drills yet? Because you're trying to live out. Something. And by the way, it's not all bad because you know if you're from another country, you know the way to out of poverty is through education. And so you're passionate about it. And your mama drilled it in you. And so you want to drill it into your kids too. But make sure you're not pushing them away. As you highlight their athletic prowess, more important than your relationship with them. Be careful you're not pushing them away as you highlight their spiritual giants as more important than their relationship with you. Just be careful because it's your behavior. Listen, not your advice that determines whether or not they will respect you. Let's go to number two, everybody. Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. Before we go to number two, here are the three areas of tension. Go back to it. Three areas of tension. Your ego, your kids, and the fact that you love them so much and care about them so much. And then the last one is how their behavior reflects on you. Those are the three areas that are the tension points every single time. You go and, and you, you're meeting the teacher and all of a sudden you want to blame the teacher for everything. Because you can't own that. Hey, your kid might not be the best in this area and you might need some help. But you are the, oh, no, not my kid. My kid didn't know. I promise you. That's God. It. Don't bring God into your mess. <laughs> Let's go number two. Number two. Number two. Second thought. Here it is. Lord have mercy. It is easier to build strong kids than repair broken adults. 
It's easier to build strong kids to focus on when they're young than to repair broken adults. You, you know the story. It's in uh, Daniel, the, the third chapter, and about verse 8 through about verse 18. You have some boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they've got a major decision to make. They made a decree that everybody should bow down and worship the statue, and everybody should bow down. At a certain time, everybody need to be on their knees and bowing down to the statue. To which Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, nah, no, we're not doing that. To which then Nebuchadnezzar and his boys remind them, you going into the lake of fire if you don't do it. And yet still these young boys decided that it do whatever you want to do to me, I will not bend, I will not bow, I will go to the furnace if you need to, but I'm not bowing to your God. Here's the question. How and where did they get that moral fortitude? To be able to make such a decision at such a young age. Let's pick it up and see what they say in uh, Daniel chapter 3. Pick it up in about verse 15b. If you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God would be able to rescue you from my hand? Next verse. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. What courage? We don't need to defend. I mean, I mean, you can keep talking. But we don't need to defend. The, the, the decision has already been made. We're not doing that. Next verse. Here's what it says. It says, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve, capital G, is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. You want to throw me in? No problem. My God has the power to deliver me. But however, I'm not just putting it in God's hands. If he doesn't, next verse. Listen, next verse. And but even if he does not, we want you to know something. Your majesty, honor, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Where did they get that moral fortitude to make that kind of a decision. Do not ever forget what I'm about to teach you. Pastor Matt, come on up here. Do not ever forget what I'm about to teach you right now. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to know there's, there's moral development and there is also cognitive development. Here's what the research says. Moral development and there's cognitive development. Moral development is set between the ages of 10 and 12. After that, moral development, you can still pour it in there, but it changes. I'm going to show you how in a minute. Cognitive development continues way through and past your 20s. But you need to know, moral development, stuff that gets stuck to your heart, not your brain. Stuff that you do instinctively is, is, is all done between the ages of zero to 11 years old. Come here with me. Let me show you what it looks like. So, your kid's young. And your kids growing up, and they're one and two, and you're pouring them values into there like honesty, like courage, like not lying, like telling the truth, like loving God with all your heart. And they're growing, and they get to two, and they get to three, and they get to four, and you're still pouring it in. You're going to church, and you're reminding them the significance of church. When you have options not to go to church, you're 
still go to church because you're setting the model for them and the behavior for them and stuff sticking down here and it keeps sticking. They're growing up five and they're growing up six and they're growing up seven and you're still pouring values into them and you're pouring it into them and they're going eight and they're going nine and it's closing rapidly now until you get to the age of about 10 or 11 and then all of a sudden it's closed. At that point, listen, keep pouring them in there. You can still pour values in there, but now it's not going to the heart, it's going to the head. Let me tell you why the head's important. Because now when they go to college, somebody can argue them away from their head. They can't argue them away from their heart, but they can from their head. And if you waste the tears between 3 and 10, you have wasted the most significant years for moral development in the name of Jesus. Now, some of you are feeling guilty already. Well, I didn't do that. Oh, my God. Okay, uh, okay, good. Pray harder and help the next person you know between 3 and 10. All right? Watch what happens now. So, <clears throat> what your job is, if you have kids, if you have grandkids, if you know somebody who has kids, if you are somebody who's helping students, uh, development and all that, then you need, that's why, by the way, that's why, two hours Serving in our kids' ministry is more powerful than a year in the student ministry. Why? Because one addresses the heart, the other you're trying to pour into the mind. And if you miss this, you've missed the whole point. It's the reason why we're moving now into club sports as a church. We're having our own teams now. Because when they're young, we got to get them and show them, you pray before a game. You pray for the person you market. You pray after the game. Because parents ain't doing this, so the church got to get involved. So my point is now, you have to pour it in. When, when you, have a, you, have, you just got a baby, oh my gosh, pray everything gospel in that baby ear. Uh, they, 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 they don't know how to talk it. Good. Pour it in. Scriptures, pour it in. Pour Because the days are long, but the years are short. So pour as much as you can between those ages so that it is as full as it can be would hold some values so that by the time they get to 13 it's already in them and no one and nothing can take it out can i get a witness somebody it's a big deal if you're in the atrium it's a big deal if you're in dallas it's a big deal your job is to make sure you pour it in at that age for the glory of God. It's easier to build strong kids than to repair broken adults. That's why here's some of the values you need to put in honesty. You got to put in honesty, accountability, respect, empathy, determination, why you're sorry. You ever notice that people love to say, sorry? What you sorry for? I don't know. You said I should say sorry. No, 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 no. Every time they say sorry, you should ask them, what are you sorry for? You have to give a reason why you're sorry. That's why you know some of your kids be like, okay, sorry, 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 sorry. You'll be lit up. <laughs> you can't have an attitude while you say you're sorry. Hey, come on now. You're not sorry then. You have to say, I am sorry for and explain the infraction that occurred. But you need to teach them that. They don't just learn that. You've got to model it. 
by saying you're sorry. You got to model it. Because if you're not modeling, then the behavior won't be caught. You can tell them all you want, but you got to show them by how you behave. They should know it because of how many times you say you're sorry to them and to others around you. My God, my God, my God. Number three, here we go. Number three, let's go quickly. Number three says, you ought to parent toward a healthy relationship with your children. You ought to parent toward a healthy adult relationship with your children. In other words, the vision, every decision you make, should, you should ask the question, will this result in a healthy relationship down the road with your kids? Every time you yell at them, every time you manipulate them, every time you shame them, every time you make them feel guilty, every time you should ask the question, in that moment, will this result in a long-term healthy relationship with my kids? Because if you, if you act with the end in mind, you will change how you act today. Ladies and gentlemen, when you want to get ticked off mad about a grade not being what it should be, you, you can either inspire or you can shame. But if you shame, just remember, the behavior is what's going to determine if they want to hang out with you later on. So figure out new ways to inspire and not shame. Not make them feel guilty. Not compare them to everybody else. Why you can't be like your brother? Why you can't be like your sister? Why you can't be like me? Why you can't be? Why you can't be? Train them. Develop a relationship based on the long-term effects of this thing. What, do, what, do, what, do, what does the research say about uh, parents who launch well? Here you go. Go to it for me. There are about six of them. Number one. They had fewer rules. We're going to talk about this in a minute. They didn't have a whole lot of rules. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't go in the bedroom. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. Don't eat. Oh, my God. They have to walk around and say, ooh, okay, not that, ooh, not that, ooh, not that, ooh. And they can, they have no freedom because every time they move, you have another rule. Number two, um, they weren't afraid of their kids' rejection. You ever notice how some parents are afraid of kids? Well, I just, I just want them to love me. Oh, my gosh. So I want to give them whatever they need today just so that they won't reject me. They weren't afraid of that. Well, well, well if I don't let them go to Johnny's house then, or, or Nene's house, uh, if I don't let them go over there, then, they, then they're going to be mad at me. I just wanted to make sure our white audience and our black audience were. I said Johnny. That's usually, you know. And then Nene. <laughs> Equal opportunity. <laughs> Number three, come on. Number three. Uh, they, listen, listen, listen. They discovered their, their kids' interests and talents and facilitated them. They knew, they discovered, they didn't determine. They discovered what they were and then facilitated them. You know, um, uh, in my house, it's really fun. It really, really is funny in my house. Um, um, there are two cars you can go in in my house. You can go in their mama's car, or you can go in my car. <clears throat> if you go in your mama's car, <clears throat> why are you laughing over there? <laughs> I didn't say anything yet. I didn't say anything. <laughs> if you go in your mama's car, it's a party. <laughs> it really is. Whatever, whatever they want to listen to, hey, 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 on the whole way home, mama singing at the top of her voice, hey, hey, King Jesus, hey, 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 King Jesus, hey, 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 King Jesus, that, that's mama's car. Daddy's car? You got math drills to do. You got math drills to do. Uh-huh. 
Uh huh. You got bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. Do that test. Let's see how you're going to do. And that test, half a year. Let's do that test real quick. Let's see how you do. But, Daddy, I mean, I just got out of school. I know, I know, I know. That's why everybody else playing around, but you still study. That's why. While they're sleeping, you study. Let's go. Let's go. By the way, all my African friends just say, I do the same thing too. Just, say, just admit, shame the devil, shame the devil. Uh, if you Asian, if you African, if you are, uh, 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 yeah, them too. Uh, you do that too. <laughs> if, if you are, <laughs> somebody going to leave on this one. If you're African-American male and you used to play sports, you know you want your kid to be a superstar. So you're going to make sure, hey man, dribble in the car, dribble just in the car, in the car, in the car, in the car. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's go. I am over-dramatizing it. Don't, don't send me no email. I just got back. Give me one weekend, all right? I'm coming. Okay. Come on, let's go. I got to go. Next one, number four is <laughs> they prioritize relationship over experience. This one's important. They, priori- they didn't care what the kids down the street were doing. If it was family time, it's family time. Hey, dude, you got to go. It's family time now. I don't care about what experience you're missing out on. It don't matter. Family time. And then the last one says, I didn't want to talk about this, but it's true. Um, they had healthy marriages. So fight for your marriage. They had healthy marriages. And they poured into it. All right, let's move on. Um, so then there are three areas in number three, uh, four areas that you need to have vision for. Vision educationally, vision financially, vision spiritually, vision relationally. As you pull these off, make sure your relationship with them matters the most. Some of you just want your kids to be millionaires by the time they're 14. And your whole life is, oh, yeah, they have their life insurance policy. Oh, yeah, they sold four houses already. Oh, yeah. And then you, oh, 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 nothing wrong with that except make sure they know you love them more than them making money. Some of you are Bible thumpers. You want them to know every verse of the Bible. All right, give me Genesis, the whole book. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa, Romans 10, give me, give me the Romans road. What's the Romans road? Come on, come on. Let's go. He's taking too long. Let's go. This is, this is not the military. You must have a relationship with them. Let's go, number four. Turn the page over. Number, number four. Watch number four now. This is huge. Number four says, our responsibility is not to decide what they do. It is to put our weight behind what they decide to do. Our responsibility is not to, can you imagine if God forced you to do everything he wanted you to do? That's not how he relates to you. So why do you relate to your kids that way? He invites you. He died for you to inspire you to want to go where he desires. He inspires you. It's your job to inspire your kids to get there, not to decide for them. Figure out what God wants them to do and then put your weight behind, which means you got to take yourself out. Because some of you, I don't want to be no nurse. Nurse don't make no money. You can't survive out here. I don't want to be no teacher. Pastor? Oh, God, no. The devil is a liar. I don't want to be no pastor. Absolutely not. They got to be a doctor. They got to be a lawyer. They got to be a, a real estate mogul. They got to be, they got to be something that make lots of money. Just because you value money so much don't mean the next generation is going to value it as much as you do. Well, you want them to be broke? You didn't turn out that bad. And your mama was broke. Say it! 
You didn't turn out that bad. Actually, you could be taking the claws out of your kids because of how much money you got. So they can't even fight for themselves because you spoiled them so much. Listen, listen, there's something, there, there are two things. There's a defining moment and a teachable moment. Listen, a defining moment is when they discover the truth. A teachable moment is when you tell them the truth. We must have more defining moments than we do teachable moments so that they can have and discover it for themselves instead of you and I always having to tell them what to do. And so as you're parenting, remember, defining moments are way more important than teachable moments. They remember it much longer because they discovered it for themselves. Watch this. Now, I want to show you, if your kids are going to be successful uh, professionally and relationally, there's a pathway to follow, and it starts in your home. So watch it. Here we go. If you want relational success and if you want professional success, it starts with something called self-awareness. Do you ever notice that some people are not self-aware? Lots of people ain't self-aware. Yeah, I talked to somebody the other day on the phone. 45 minutes, nonstop, no breath, kept talking for the whole time. Do you, did you have no friend that can tell you the truth that you talk too much? You have no friend that can tell you that? That's ridiculous to me. You keep going, baby, and then, 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 and so what happened was, and then, and so what happened was, and then, I'm like, stop. Did you ever have a friend that tell you to talk too much? You should take a breath and ask the person, hey, do you understand what I'm saying? How about doing that every three minutes? Three minutes might be too long. About every two and a half minutes. Just check in. You know what that means? That means they're not aware, which is why they can't get to success. Because they can't relate to people. Because they don't see themselves accurately. They're not self-aware. You ever walk around and spend somebody's stink and they don't know they stink? I shouldn't say that in church today. But it's true. Somebody needs to tell you. You need to have some friends that say, hey, bro, it's time. It's time. So what, in <laughs> what influences relational success? Watch it now. Uh, from relational success is emotional uh, intelligence, which self-awareness is a cousin of. And then you have personal security. Guess where they get personal security from? Your house. And if they don't feel secure because they're always on needles in your house. If they, if they don't know who God's called them to be, then they cannot be self-aware. Which means they're not going to have the success you're looking for. Because they're always on pins and needles when they are in your house. Last thought, then I'm finished. As you're moving and getting your weight behind them, you've got to remember that honor is superior to obedience. I need everybody to learn this. I don't care where. I need everybody to learn. Honor is superior to obedience. This is this, and then I'm done. Here we go. Listen to me, please, on this. When you preach obedience, you preach to the lowest possible level. Now your kids have to ask you, okay, is this too far? Is this not too far? Where's too far? Because they always have to have you around to tell them what's far and what's not too far. 
When you teach honor, you're teaching them to honor the person. So when they honor the person, because they honor them, they are now uh, uh, in the totality of who they are. They don't have to worry about right or wrong because they know if this person is not pleased, then they're not going to be happy. Therefore, I will honor them and teach honor in the home more than I teach obedience. Listen to me, please, 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 please. You have seen many people on your job that don't know how to honor. Which is why they're always trying to push the line. Because they only learn obedience. They did not learn honor. It's the reason why as a culture, we don't even like honor. Because we always want to know, well, I have freedom to do whatever I want to do. Because you always want to know, where's the edge? Let me go right over the edge. But when you teach honor, I want you to honor your mom. I want you to honor your dad. Uh, By the way, if you don't honor your spouse or if you don't honor your ex, you're teaching them not to honor. Run up out of here now. Run up out of here. (laughs) Did you know what they did to me, Pastor? I do. And I still need you to honor them. Because God honors you even when you fail him miserably. So honor. The last one is move at their pace, not at your pace. Move at their pace. You know who knows how to do this well? Grandparents. You know why? Because they don't have an agenda and they don't have nothing to do. Your kids, listen, listen, your kids are, your kids oftentimes are interruptions. That's why you stick them in front of a TV. You just want to stick them out. Yeah, go, leave me alone, go watch TV. As opposed to telling them and sitting in their zone. Last story, then I'm done. My daughter, Chloe, last week she was telling me a story, a fascinating story. But I didn't have time for her story. But every time you're going to preach a sermon, the Holy Spirit says, uh-huh, you're going to preach it and you ain't living it. So I said, all right, Chloe, let me hear your story. She says, Dad, I had a great dream. I, I, I had a dream that we lived in a ginormous house, which means the story's going to take 15 minutes. And I'm like, I don't have 15 minutes. But she continued. So, Dad, this, the, the, it had a pool on the outside. And guess what? It had a pool on the inside. I said, where have your mother been taking you, girl? What the heck is going on? She says, but daddy, don't worry, daddy, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. The water can never go outside into the house because it's protected. I'm like, I got to monitor where your mother is taking you. I don't know what's going on in this house. That's what I'm saying in my mind. But she goes and she tells me this elaborate story. And at the end of the story, she says, dad, thank you for listening to my great story. Now listen, 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 listen. I was half listening. (laughs) But here's what meant the world to her. That I sat down, I got on her level, and I heard her story. All I got to say to you is, the stakes are too high for you to not have influence over your kids. So don't lose the influence because you get mad. Don't lose the influence because you're too busy to spend time with them. Don't lose the influence because you want to tell them but not live it. Don't lose the influence because you want them to go at your pace and drag them everywhere you're going instead of going at their pace. The stakes are too high. Social media is too rampant. For you to let them influence them more than you.
Father, will you help one community families, everybody under the sound of my voice, live this out for the glory of God. Teach us, will you, that it's our behavior, not our advice that determines whether they want to be with us. Will you help us put our weight behind them? Will you help us run at their pace? Will you please help us, God, so that we can move in a healthy direction as families? In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Come on, give God a round of applause.